Okay, ready? Take what you know and it's about a time when you get yourself in we are. I want to know something she's I'll think about everyone you need. I'm holding it. Things are moving real now. I have a senior warning you. Hey. The tour ratio. Okay, though. The tour ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> You's a phenomenal person. I mean, you legendary. I am a fan of you, my brother. Whenever I listen to Thug, you can, I always be telling him, I'm like, bro, this shit feels African as fuck. Like, this shit. Young Thug. Yes. When I listen to Young Thug, I'm like, this shit is, this shit is. This shit sometimes, even Kid Cudi, that shit feel like village chants. You know what I'm saying? Like when we're like when we're in our when we're in the village and we're all in circles and we're and like you know like the falsettos are stacked up and everybody's everybody's in their little groups of different people who sing similar in tone and we do our choirs and our chants. Like that shit feels like that. Like it feels like 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 when people tell me like, oh you sound like you're heck of Kid Cudi influenced. I'm just like, I do like Kid Cudi. But I'm not that influenced by Kid Cudi. Like I, I'm not gonna say like I listen to him like that much in my childhood. But I would definitely say like when I'm doing my hums or whatever, those are from like those are more inspired by from chants that I heard and certain songs that I grew up listening to than it is from Kid Cudi. But I do hear the similarities, and that's what makes me feel like influences. We're all we're all influenced by Africa. Igwe Aka is a hot young rapper from Sacramento who grew up in Nigeria. His music is fire. His story is incredible. I had an amazing time hanging out with him talking about Africa and Africanisms and what it is to be black and what it is to make music to him. So let's get into it. It's Igwe Aka on Toure Show. So yo, I love your music because there's a there's a mellowness to it and there's a soulfulness to it and you're not like trying to rap as hard as possible and get the crown. You're trying to like just give me a vibe, give me a flow. Sometimes you're a little not all the way to singing, mm-hmm. but it can be a little singish, a little talkish. Mm-hmm. It's definitely rap, mm-hmm. but it's you. You know, it, you're 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 you know you're taking the form in your own way. You know, and definitely like giving me something like mellow and vibey. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. I really tried my hardest not to be, um, like I guess like a full-time rapper. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, obviously, like, I'm a full-time rapper as far as, like, my job is concerned. But, like, I try my hardest not to be, like, I'm not trying to be, like, the best rapper ever. I can rap really well. I can write very well. Like, but I'm def- I'm definitely just trying to get across my points and, like, be the best version of myself. Like, play the position I feel like I'm meant to play. Because when I first started making music, I used to try to, like, rap hella serious every bar and you something like have like triple entendres and I wanted it to be as confusing as possible so nobody could ever understand what I'm saying like and then I realized that's not the point like you're trying to make music so you could convey a message that other people could like grasp and feel personal with so like that just changed like my whole direction of how I try to make music I now. love that you're open about like 
I'm not trying to be the best rapper, whatever that means. I'm trying to have the best communication with the audience. Yeah. And the best rap people, people have rapped at such high calibers. I feel like I don't, I have like, I feel like I have a specific purpose and a specific contribution that I'm supposed to give to like music. Just like, I feel like 50 Cent's contribution, Kanye West's contribution, Joey Badass's contribution, Bob Marley's contribution, all those people's contributions affected me because they played their true positions. I feel like I really want to play my position as best as possible so I could possibly rub off to have something to offer to the next generation. So what is your purpose? Um, I think like making music with perspective, but not always like, that might sound like a blanket statement, but not necessarily like trying to make songs where it's like I can talk about trying to go from give a full perspective on like being a person, like not always having songs where it's like, yeah, I'm feeling cool right now. And then having songs where it's like, this is really how I feel. This is personal to me. This is my endeavors. Having songs where like the whole point of it is to show you my selfish side. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it might sound like it's, it might sound like it's um very self-centered, but the whole point of the song is to like show you that I can also be that, you know, just um making African music sometimes just also trying to like, I feel like for me, a lot of, a lot of my music when I go into it is just kind of like, how do I get off my perspective? Like, how do I say like, Like the song Red, I feel like I made that song just trying to be like, um, trying to show like the anxieties of, trying to show like the anxieties of love, the anxieties of pressure, the anxieties of honestly always being around with your friends. You're saying like, I'm, I've always been like, always been around with my friends since I was a kid. And I feel like even just like so, that comes with its own anxieties that might not be so like prevalent from that, from like an outside perspective. And I think like being able to, talk about all those things in each verse but then like tie it all together in the chorus which is like you know the metaphor of like hearing red of just feeling like trying to match up but the noise never stops you know what i'm saying are um, you when you talk about you and your crew are you guys skateboarders or you got like i, I you don't seem like you're like hood street like you no, know no, um, so what like what is the aesthetic that you guys come from like what do you guys do that binds you guys um, a whole lot of stuff, I guess we're from, we're from Sacramento, California. I don't know if you know much about Sacramento, but I do a, not. I've been there, but I can't say I know much about Sacramento. Sacramento. Sacramento has made no noise in terms of hip hop. No, not at all. But we have Mozzie. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mozzie, but Mozzie is an incredible lyricist. Like, I really say this. I feel like, like, I don't like to, I don't know. I've been throwing this around a lot lately, but I really feel like he's like, Tupac-esque and the fact that like he is so raw like like DMX is so raw like it's you know what I'm saying like he is so like unapologetically himself but I feel like Sacramento is like um a melting pot of people so we all kind of got together off different stuff like me and LG and my, me and my homie LG and Reek we all came up together in high school and we all kind of were just having like different um I guess like tribulations at home. I was probably like three years into being in America, four years into being in America. Um, had a hard ass time making friends. And I just never had like, I didn't have like 
the coolest shit to wear and the coolest shit to like go to school in. And I wasn't like the kid with all the lunch money. So I feel like my homies were just kind of like, my homie Prince was like, hey, come to DC Park. Went down there and we just started hanging out all the time and just started seeing all people like selling weed and doing all that shit. And I was like, oh shit, that's pretty much like what I'm going to do all high school is I'm just going to sell weed. So I always have like the coolest clothes. I always had the coolest stuff. And then we all just kind of started linking up. And then that turned into like, me being like, oh, I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna buy this equipment, I'm gonna buy this, and then just building up my own little studio. And we all just kind of like hanging out at my homie Domingo's house because his mom kind of like had a spot that was like refuge for all of us because we just were like the type of kids that never really wanted to go home. So, wait, if you got, so you guys are a high school crew. In high school, you got like, you know, your jocks, your stoners, mm-hmm. your nerds, the guys who are chasing girls, the guys who are all about the books or whatever. Mm-hmm. So which lunch table are you guys? Um, we're like the stoners. Okay. But also some of us were like the jocks. Okay. And um, But you are you a jock? No. You're a stoner. Yeah, I'm a stoner. I'm, <laughs> I'm a stoner. I'm not athletic. I don't got an athletic. I mean, like, I'm but not going to lie. you're mad tall. Yeah, I am mad tall. I could hoop, but like. I wouldn't say that like my life path has ever even remotely been athletics. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like when were you like hip hop is my life path? Fifth grade. Like before I moved to America, I made a decision that when I came to America, I was gonna make music. So wait, who are you hearing that made you say that's for me? Kanye West. Kanye West. College. Dropout Late Kanye? Registration. I mean, that's like my favorite album of all time. Is Late, Late Registration. Yeah, but so, Kanye West, 50 Cent, and then also just my big brothers. Like, my big brothers were, live, were in America, and they were making music, you know? And I'm, I, whenever I call them on the phone, I'd be like, I'd be like, rap me that shit that you made, man. Rap me that shit that you made. And my brother would start spitting it for me. And I'm like, damn, that shit is so hard. And I'd go back, and I'd spit it for all of my friends and pretend that it was mine back in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many brothers do you have? Um, I got two blood brothers. I got two blood brothers and an adopted brother named Evan. And you have sisters too? Yeah, I got two sisters. So are you the baby? I'm the middle child. The middle? Not, not direct middle child, I guess. I'm the second to last. I'm the last boy, and then I got a little sister. Out of seven? Out of Yeah, out of seven. It's a huge family. Yeah. So wait, tell me about- Out of six. You came here when you were 10 mm-hmm. to America, from lived here permanently mm-hmm. from age 10. You had grown up in Nigeria. Where mm-hmm. in Nigeria? Enugu, federal housing. Um, I'm from a village called Obato. And my village is kind of like, I'm from the Omaka compound, which is like the children of Aka compound, right? And um, everybody that lives in the compound, we have the same last name. But I didn't, when I first got back, my mom wanted me to live with her grandparents, with her parents, because her parents were like more educated and my dad's parents were more like village people. And, like, not saying that to seem to say that it's, like, a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, like, the reality of the situation and what she preferred. So she has sent me to federal housing to go live with my grandparents. And that was really where I stayed until I came out here. This segment is sponsored by Dell Technologies Small Business Virtual Podference starting May 10th. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. 
My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Tell me about Nigeria for you, what, what 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 stands out? What was it like? I've been to Africa, but Senegal, Ghana, um, not not to uh, Morocco, not to Nigeria. Mm, um, Nigeria was like a little bit less developed, but I mean, it was it was it's like houses, roads, sidewalks. It's a lot of this. I feel like when people imagine Nigeria, whenever I tell people I'm from Nigeria, they always ask me like, "Oh, did you chase? Did you did you chase by elephants or some wild <laughs> shit like that?" Like, but it's like, no, nah, you like, had an urban community. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it was like, for all the good and bads, I'll say it was more, it was more free and there's a lot more love. Like when I walk down the street. I'll walk into a, a random person and he'll instantly know who I am just off my facial structure. He'll be like, you're Georgina's son, aren't you? And I'll just be like, damn, that's crazy. And like, people are like that. People just open your door, come in, they already have food or they're just expecting to eat what you guys are cooking and everybody's like communal like that. I feel like that's what's like a little bit 
in America, it feels like nobody really knows each other. Nobody really talks to each other. Oh, hell yeah. You don't you know? know your neighbors like that. And you don't even want to. Like, I feel like when I was growing up, when I came to America, like, <sighs> my neighbors, like, always called the cops on my parents and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real. Like, my neighbors always called the cops on my parents and, and us for being too loud and for smelling like weed and shit like that. So it's like, I never, I realize in America, you don't really want to get to know your neighbor like that. But in Nigeria, it's like, knowing your neighbor is like, that's like the person that's going to be on your side if the cops come or something, something like that happens, wow. you know? But in America, it's like a whole flip thing. It's like, that's probably who's going to call the cops on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so you get here... And did you immediately start going after this dream of, of rapping? Um, my cousin told me I was bad at first. You know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> my cousin told me I was but of bad. Of course you're going to be bad yeah, at first. No, and I, under, I understood that. I, was, I wasn't even mad at him. He told me I was bad, and it made me just, first of all, want to tighten everything, you know? So we just, and he was super down. Like, he was super patient with me. He was super like, you know. We're going to record you one word at a time. So he wasn't hating. He was like yeah, mentoring. Yeah, yeah. He was like, because he's the one in Nigeria that told me when I come back to America, we should make music together. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I was hella excited because I really didn't know what the fuck I was going to do when I come, when I came back to America. Because like, I don't know. I was just kind of like, when I first came back to Nigeria, it was such an adjustment coming back home because then everybody's like, oh, you're the American kid and I got to prove to niggas that I'm just like them. You know what I'm saying? And then when he's like, come back to America, I'm just thinking, oh, shit, it's going to be that whole cycle again. I'm going to have to re, I'm going to have to come in, be the weird kid, unbe un the weird kid. So coming here and being able to have the time to just, all the time in the world, just hang out with him, not be judged, make a bunch of music, and just, like, figure out what the fuck I want to do in my life. That's really what made it, like, possible. So you're, like, fifth, sixth grade, just, like, in the basement, just, like, recording, recording, recording. Upstairs in my mom's house, um, there was this... We had a rock band mic and we downloaded a demo of this thing called Mixcraft 5. And I remember like my cousin knew how to work it. He had like all these little like loops and stuff like that. He started like putting together like what we thought was a beat at the time. And we were just making all these jerk songs, all these little random ass songs. And then like high school started. Like before high school, like eighth grade, my brother took me to my brothers. I told him my brothers were making music at the time. So my brother took me to go do a show with him. Went to go do the show. And I was just like, fuck, I have hella, and I was like, I had so much fun. And people after the show were just like, bro, you were so energetic. It was so hard to keep my eyes off. You know, I was like, damn, like, I really love performing. I, love, I just love getting on stage and just honestly losing a grip on reality and just wilding out, you know? And um, so then I kind of like was still at the point where I was like so wide-eyed wide about everything. So I was kind of like in a, me and my cousin were in a rap group with my brothers, but then eventually just kind of started doing our own thing. And, um, like, in the middle of high school, I was just like, let's drop a demo project. Let's drop something, like, for real and, like, try to push it. And we dropped this thing called The Classics Volume 1. And, like, we got, like, our first hundred our first song with 100,000 views on there and all that stuff. And it was just kind of, like, crazy. That was through SoundCloud. Yeah. Because, like, before that, like, in middle school, it was, like, I was, like, the weird African kid that made music. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, like, that's the African kid, but he rap. You know what I'm saying? Type shit. And then, like. High school, I dropped that project, and then like I'm going to I'm going to party to party to party, and everybody's like, "Bro, I heard your new song Hennessy. I heard your new song Hennessy." And then it just became like, then just like that song at that time period in high school just became like my identity. Then me and the homie just really like my homie OG was just like, I honestly like super could see this happening. I'm super down to push, drop, go halves with you on videos, whatever we need to do. And then we just 
really like tightened up the whole thing and started going extra hard. And then we all met each other like as like it all started building just one by one. Like I met Jordan off of like hanging out in the clothing store. Um, and the same place that I met Kale too is the same clothing store. And it's like, cause I feel like the group has always been like about common denominators, like not just one thing. Like we're not just like a skater kid or a music clique or a whatever. It's like kids that like share a general idea and aesthetic. If that makes sense. Was the was there an African or a Nigerian accent that you um yeah, I mean, when I first came to America, that's why I said I've been to America before, right? So when I went back to Nigeria, I was in Nigeria working on my raps with my cousins and my friends and shit like that. And like they were helping me, they were helping me like work on my American accent. So I wasn't because I was like, so I was like, man, if I, I was like, when I come back to America, I'm, I, I want to be able to talk, the niggas gonna make fun of me. So when I came back to America, I had like American accent for like, I would say like two years. But I definitely would say, like, I kind of worked at not having a Nigerian accent every time. But it's not that I don't have a Nigerian accent because I still speak Igbo fluidly. I just want to be able to speak English like the kids in school, I think. Which is crazy because sometimes I, like, sometimes I kind of almost regret it. Sometimes I'd be like, man, it would be fired. I should have kept my accent. You know what I'm saying? But, like. Also, like, whenever I talk to my mom, I'll switch right back into my accent just because, like, we're speaking Igbo. So I know, like, I'm definitely a code switcher. Can you rap in Igbo? Um, rapping in Igbo is kind of, I mean, I can, but rapping in Igbo, Igbo is a different challenge because the literature is structured different. You know, like, the, mm -hmm. um, like, not the literature, what's the... The patterns of sentences are structured differently, so like it offers different types of it offers different types of literature. Where I feel like, um, okay, like in Igbo, there's not like a word for certain stuff. Like there's not just one word for love. You know, there's like like we're very metaphorical people. So like you would say like Ibudum Ginobi or Afram Ginaya, which both of them are just like one of them means I see you in my eyes, and one of them means I carry you in my heart. You know, so it's like there's different stuff like that where it's like it's harder. Like, you'd have to say something that meant nigga. You couldn't just say nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, that's what makes it kind of a little bit more difficult. Like, when you listen to Nigerian rappers, they still sprinkle a lot of English. Or it's like, people rap in broken English more than they rap, like, straight up in Igbo just because. So English is easier for you to rap in because it's more, it's simple. less, yeah, it's more simple, yeah. it's less flowery. Yeah, it's more simple. So it gives me so many different ways to say one thing. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many, like, like English is so simple but so complex. Like, there's, it's broken down in so many ways. So there's so many different ways to say one thing. But, like, in Igbo, there's a couple of different ways to say one thing. Interesting. Yeah, your music gives me a sense of being young but in a sort of, like, carefree way, not like a YOLO, mm -hmm. jump out the window sort of way, but like a... <laughs> You know, let's just like smoke weed and like look at the stars and just chill, you know, and just enjoy this moment. And that's really what it is about. It's like, I mean, that's really what life is about is like, even when you, I'm the type of person that I overthink stuff a lot or I might be in my own, I might like blow something up bigger than I think it is. You know, it's so bigger than it is. And I'll realize after, I think, so like. I'm very, like, aware that life is just about, like, the ability to let things go, the ability to relax, the, the ability to really just 
roll up and look at the stars sometimes. Like, you might be in the middle of chaos. It might be flames flying behind you everywhere, but you have to accept that, like, you're just where you are and you can't do anything about it, and you might as well just roll up and look at the stars, you know? So except for your your man who still hasn't really blown up, Sacramento is like nothing has happened in terms of hip-hop in Sacramento. And you guys aren't that far. I mean, California is gigantic mm -hmm. in terms of hip. You're not that far from the Bay, mm -hmm. which is a legendary mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like a half day drive from L.A., which is obviously legendary. Yeah. Um, but Sacramento hasn't really done anything. Tell me about Sacramento. It's it's really a small town, right? Um, I don't know if I'll say it's a small town. It's like... Three million people or something like that there. Okay. Um, it's I don't know, like Sacramento is kind of like I'll, the best way for me to explain it is it's really like a melting pot. Like Sacramento is like like I don't know if you ever like heard of Oak Park, but like it's like probably one of the worst parts of Sacramento, but like the architecture is so beautiful. And then like across the other side on like a street, like literally one street on the other side, it's a place called Lamb Park, which is the total opposite of the type of people that live there. And like, I don't even know how to explain Sacramento is a place where it's like, everybody gets along, but everybody doesn't get along. Like everybody knows each other. Everybody hangs out, but like racism is still so like prevalent in like, um, I'd say like the culture, not even just like, not like, not like amongst like necessarily your peers, but you'll see it outside in like ways that like Sacramento clubs, you know, they don't necessarily try to cater to black people. They don't necessarily try to. And I feel like wherever, anywhere else I've ever been, they really try to cater to black people. You know, like when I go to LA, they're letting you smoke in the club. They're playing whatever type of music, whatever type of new music came out. You could walk in in your new sneakers with all your friends and be juiced. Like in Sacramento, they'll try to, control you, confine your swag. They'll be like, hey, you got to come in here with these type of shoes. You got to come in here with no hat. You got to come in here like this. And that's just like, like Sacramento is still like a little bit, a little bit behind on, I feel like, cultural norms just because of the fact that like, just because of the fact that I feel like there's nothing really happening there and there's nobody that, there's never like been like a, a shift, a paradigm shift of like culture. Like people are still like, I don't know. Do you think that your sound is 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 influenced by the Bay sound? No, In the, so you're not really influenced by LA sound. No, I'll definitely say I was I came up listening to East Coast and Southern artists and like Los Angeles artists. Definitely, I mean West Coast artists. Definitely, like I love Mac Dre. Like I love Mac Dre. I love E40. I, my first show ever was the Jacket show. Um, but really Southern artists you like better. I definitely, yeah, I definitely grew up, you know, like Yin Yang Twins, Soldier Boy, just Jermaine Dupree's whole running wave, like just like loving East Coast artists, loving 50 Cent, loving Big L, loving like just like going, like coming to America and being like, damn, hip hop is such a big thing. Like New York has been making music for so long and just getting into the Eric B and Rock Kims. And then like, I did like West Coast rap. Like I did like the Freestyle Fellowships and I did like, like, 
I did like like the ice cubes and I did like the iced teas and I did like the what do you call it again? Um the like what's his name? Consequences and stuff like that. But the the southern stuff you named is very high BPMs. Yeah. And then then the New York stuff you named is very high lyricism. Yeah. But that's not you. Your music is is more mellow. Yeah. It's not like heavy lyricism. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. You said I love these. And these are my influences, but I don't hear that in the output. Um, I would say like I, I say like it's a lot in my patterning. Like I say like I'm influenced a lot by Kanye West in my patterning. I'm influenced a lot by New York in my patterning. I'm listen. I'm influenced in a lot. In terms of the rhyme patterns. Yeah, I'm I'm influenced a lot by the South in my rhythm. You know, um, I feel like Southern music always felt closer to African music. So, like, I always just, like, have been in, I've always, like, been into it more, honestly. Like You think Southern hip-hop? Yeah. Out of all hip-hop is the most, like, African music? Yeah, like, you know, it sounds closest to African music, in my opinion. Like, like well, even how? to this day, like, Young Thug, the music that Young Thug, like, I said this shit, like, Young Thug sounds like, Young Thug in Future feels like, American dance hall, you know what I'm saying? It feels like the like American version of like, I don't know, because we just been making auto-tune rap since like the early 2000s in America. Like, it was like not cool. Because when, when I first came to America, I was showing my friends P-Square and T-Maya and all this stuff, and they were just like, this shit corny as hell. But it's like, no, for real. But we, that's, I feel like that's like the stuff that's, that influences me. And then I feel like with the lyrics, it's kind of like, um, I like everything I write to be, I like, I like everything I'm on to still be well-written. I feel like um, some songs I'll make and I'll be like, this song is just for fun. But some songs I'll make and I'll be like, this song is for a point. And they don't always have to be like mutually exclusive, you know? Tell me about the African music that you love that influences you. Oliver the Coke. Peak Tosh, but that's Jamaican, but it's the same thing. Miriam and Kebe. Yes. Felakuti. But that's cliche. No, but it's, it's he's he's a gigantic name yeah. because so many people love him. No, I'm good. Sonny Baba. Um Timaya was just like a huge like when I was that's like connected to like my most fondest memories of being in Nigeria. Like when I was in Nigeria, Timaya was like, like Timaya and P Square were like the hottest things ever to me. Like when I was in Nigeria, and that everybody called me Timaya just because I'm getting higher. Make you not leave me alone, you said Timaya, they hot like fire. Like when I first heard that shit, that shit was my, that shit was like, those type of songs I feel like set like the palette for like, how I want my music to be digested. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want this shit to feel like, like, I want you to listen to it in the future and it to remind you of that time period. Like, not not some, not whenever you listen to it, you're overthinking of like, man, do these bars still hit the same as five years ago? You know what I'm saying? I want you to listen to it and I want you to just feel like where you were the first time that you heard it. Because when I listen to those songs, I just remember like that time period of like just moving from my grandmas to my aunties in Lagos and like, turning on the TV and seeing all these different countdowns and like that. I remember that time period and I feel like that's what like, yeah, influence that. That's the type of stuff. That's the type of African music that like 
I still listen to to this day. Like I'm more so like, like I listen to the same music for years. See that vibe that you talk about with that song, and you talk about Tosh. That reminds me of your music. Thank you. And it's not. I, I, I didn't hear the dance halliness of it until you just said that. Mm-hmm. But like that sounds more like you than like Outkast or Yin Yang or yeah. I mean, Rock Him or whatever. It's a it's a toss because when I first came here, it's, t- it's like that. Like hip hop music was just like I mean I don't know. Music is like my first culture. Hip hop music is like hip hop music is like. And I feel like before I say like. I'm just an artist or I'm just, I feel like I'm like still doing this shit to be hip hop. You know, I'm doing this shit. Like I'm not trying to be, like I'm obviously an artist from Nigeria, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not like trying to be like a, I'm not trying to be an Afrobeat artist. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I'm not like trying to be like ambiguous about what I'm trying to be too. Like, you know, I'm trying to you be. You don't want to be an Afrobeat artist. I, I'm not saying that I don't want to make Afrobeat music, but that's not what I'm trying to achieve is being an Afrobeat artist. I'm trying to achieve adding my contribution to hip hop, which sometimes the next contribution to hip hop or one of the best contributions to hip hop is something that comes with influences from outside of it. You know, something that's I wonder that why Afrobeat and some of those great artists haven't had a bigger impact because Jamaica has had a massive impact on American music culture, Mm -hmm. but Africa in total has not had the impact that little Jamaica has had. Mm -hmm. And there's so many great artists who you've already named and you haven't named. And like a lot of people like Burna Boy, but like in general, Africa has not been able to have the impact on America that and and on hip hop that Jamaica has had. Why is that? I mean, I don't think that's true. I think um, I think Falakoti is one of the most sampled artists in American music. You know, and um, I also think Jamaica is very influenced by Africa. You know. I think um absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like I think Jamaica is very influenced by Africa, so I feel like it's so much African influence in America. It's just hard for Americans to see that. So we're getting Africa through Jamaica. Yeah, and through a bunch of different I mean, I really do like I don't know, like whenever I listen to whenever I listen to Thug, you can I always be telling them I'm like, "Bro, this shit feels African as fuck." Like this shit Young Thug. Yes, when I listen to Young Thug, I'm like, "This shit is this shit is this shit sometimes even Kid Cudi, that shit feel like village chants." You know what I'm saying? Like when we're like when we're in our when we're in the village and we're all in circles and we're and like, you know, like the falsettos are stacked up and everybody's everybody's in their little groups of different people who sing di- similar in tone and we do our choirs and our chants like that shit feels like that. Like it feels like 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 when people tell me like, "Oh, you sound like you're hecka Kid Cudi influenced," I'm just like, I do like Kid Cudi, but I'm not that influenced by Kid Cudi. Like I, I'm not gonna say like I listen to him like that much in my childhood, but I would definitely say like, when I'm doing my hums or whatever, those are from like those are more inspired by from chants that I heard and certain songs that I grew up listening to, than it is from Kid Cudi. But I do hear the similarities, and that's what makes me feel like influences were all. We're all influenced by Africa, you know. Um, you know, like, do you ever see, like, a video of a... Uh, I saw this video recently of um, this, what do you call him, a Komodo dragon, right? And this girl had a Komodo dragon in his box. 
and the Komodo dragon went got pregnant and it's time to have the latest seeds, right? To lay the eggs. The Komodo dragon is digging into the end of the box. She filled the box up with sand. The Komodo dragon is digging to the end of it to bury the to bury the eggs, you know? And I was sitting there wondering, like, how does the Komodo dragon know how to do this when nobody's ever showed her? Right. You know, like, how does she know where to bury her kids? How does she know how this process is gonna how does she even, you know what I'm saying? Like, why does she not just lay them on top of the sand? Like, why does she think to go underneath and bury them? And I think about that and I feel like it's muscle memory, you know, like it's um, it's like sometimes there's so many African influences that African Americans can't feel because they never had an, Af- an African tell them like, yo, we do that shit too. They don't even know where it comes from. It's just muscle memory, you know? No, that's absolutely real. I, I remember studying about Africanisms in, in college and things that we do that are carryovers from Africa that we may not realize we may not, you know, understand what it is, but like, you know, we are tied to them through, you know, epigenetics, through muscle memory, through, uh, you know, traditions that have been passed on without even thinking about it for mm-hmm. so long that we don't even, re- you know, I mean, it's not, it's the the notion that the slave trade destroyed the connection is completely false. Mm-hmm. We absolutely retain some of the things, you know, not, you know, tragically not, necessarily uh, the same for people who come from a country where there's a more open and legal connection between mm-hmm. America and, mm-hmm. and Italy or whatever. But like, there's absolutely a connection between America and Africa. Yeah, I believe so. I believe so too. I think, um, I think Africa is like, I think Africa is like one of like the most like, I don't know, like, not even like attempting to influence, but yet being the like one of the most influential places. Cause even like when Chicago music was coming out, and I just remember like, you know, like seeing videos of Chicago and when like drill music was coming out, seeing videos of Chicago dances for the first time and like seeing like, I don't know if you ever heard a song like Fifi on the Block, where it's like, ah, eh, all my life I'm getting glad. It's like, well, it's there's this song, there's this dance that they're doing in it the whole entire time. And I remember while they're doing the dances, like, I don't even I don't even remember what this shit is called. Why they're doing a the dance where they're moving their feet hella fast and all this stuff. And I'm just like, bro, people do this dance in Africa. Like all people do this dance in Nigeria all the time. Like and like even just like I'm like I'm I still following African music. Even though there's this artist named Yao Tog out of um out of Ghana. He's from this place called Kumerica, right? Where it's like all the little streets are named after American cities and stuff like that. And um he even says like the reason why he's drawn a drill. Is because like the drum patterning is very similar to what they already be doing outside on their drums, so that's why it was just easy for them to fi- to find the pocket and fall on it, and it just felt so it felt like it was meant to be for them, you know. And I think like it's like Africa gives influence, and then Africa gets influence. But I think as far as like black people go, like we just inspire each other because we see so much of each other in each other, you know. Like I feel like even in Nigeria, listening to rap music, like I was just like like. Growing up, just listening, I'm like, man, I want to tell my story too, nigga. This shit is crazy too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, like just like being in Nigeria, hearing hearing Fifty Cent, hearing Kanye West. I'm like, nigga, I got some shit to talk about too. Like this, some, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like that, like, there's you mean like there's stories of crazy shit that happened to you? Not just like crazy shit that's happened to you, but just life. You know what I'm saying? Like feeling like life. You're like, I feel like I'm I'm like, man, I'd have been sent everywhere. You know what I'm saying? I know it. I'm like, I have, I have shit to talk about as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like hearing rap music. It feels like it was easy to get influenced because you see yourself in that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, damn, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, my grandparents, like, I, I always, 
Like, it's like I have a different relationship. Africans have different relationships with racism than Americans. You know, like, my, my, my relationship with racism comes a lot from, like, seeing how my grandparents, like, react and move and feel when they talk about white people because they were, the la- they were like, when I grew up in Nigeria, I didn't see a white person until I got here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never had an interaction with a one white person until I got here. So, like, my relationship with racism is, like, based off of, like, the, like, kind of, like, the fear or the nervousness that I feel people, like, talk about when they'll talk about white people or, like, even just, like, how people talk about themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, seeing, seeing, um, my light-skinned auntie be called white. You know what I'm saying? Like, seeing, like, the jokes that she gets, seeing, like, that's how I understood, like, the effects of racism. But I never, like, until I got here, I never even, like, Got to uh, got to feel direct racism. I only got to see like the the after effects of it and see like oh shit, this is why they treat this is why we treat each other like this and this is why people do this when they go here and this is why motherfucking um this is why my uncle is called Shadow. You know what I'm saying like and shit like that like <laughs> for real though like I feel like that's the type of stuff that like gave me um yeah I mean yeah in Africa uh, those of us who are light skinned are considered white mm-hmm. and like I was in. Um, like when when I went to Senegal, when I'm in the city, it, it never came up because I think they understood. We've seen many mm-hmm. black Americans who are light come here. We know that they think they're black, so just tell them that and <laughs> vibe with that. But when I we we went out to like remote villages where they rarely saw people, mm-hmm. like you know, urbanized people, and I remember somehow I knew the name. I knew the word like white, like what that would like Caucasian, like what that would be. Mm-hmm. And there was this little boy, maybe five or six. And there were like three like mom figures standing like behind him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of ran up to me and he pointed at me and he, and he goes, white man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, I'm black like you. <laughs> and the moms died laughing. <laughs> and I didn't know if they were like laughing at the confusion or laughing at me for thinking that I'm black, black like, like you. you. And they were like, yo, that was hysterical. And he said he's black like us. <laughs> <laughs> and I've definitely heard other black people go to Africa, black Americans go to Africa and it'd be like and people say, like, oh, you're white. And and um you know, it's you know. Just one of those things. Yeah, no, my my auntie gets called white. I mean, even like the in our in Igbo, like this is one thing that like used to like these are like little place things that would teach me about racism. Like in Igbo, our word for white people is oyibo. You know what I'm saying? Oronyacha. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Torre. Thrive slash Torre.
On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. But Oyibo comes from the fact that when white people first came to Nigeria and they were trying to get slaves and shit like that, right? They were looking for Igbo people because Igbo people were known to be tall and big. So they were like, can, can you find me Oyibo? And they would fuck it up so much. They would end up saying, could you find me Oyibo? Oyibo? And then people ended up started calling white people Oyibo. And that ended up becoming like, but it's like what we call white people comes from... Your name. Yeah, you know? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. So wait, so, you know, most people who come on the show are African-American. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, what does being black mean to you? And mm -hmm. obviously that is tied up in African-Americanness. Mm -hmm. And you have experienced both Africanness. You currently experience Africanness and African-Americanness because mm -hmm. you've been here for a long time. So given all that, what does being black mean to you? That's a question. Hmm. hmm. That's a good ass question. <laughs> Being black to me, I feel like it's um I don't know. Like I'll meet black people of so many different types of walks of life and I feel like the one common denominator is whether it's a computer engineer or whether it's a rapper, whether it's a cop or whether it's a gangbanger is like the soul, the sense of life, the sense of like, you know something like that? Being, being black is like the sense of on pushing. You know something like the sense mm. of, um, because I feel like black people, no matter where we are, no matter where we, we exist in the world, we exist under similar conditions, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like it's the ability to just like, smile in the face of any adversity that you face, you know what I'm saying? I feel like mm. that's that's what being black is to me because I feel like being black to me isn't being American or being African because I got cousins in Germany. I got cousins in London. I got cousins all over the world. I just, my cousin, my uncle just got deported from India. You know what I'm saying? Like So, like, I'm like, being black to me is, like, just existing. Wherever you exist, finding that, still being able to be, still being able to have a better time than everybody else while you're going through probably more than everybody else, you know? And that's, like, that's what being black is to me. But also it's the camaraderie. Like, it's being able, it's seeing somebody, I'm from fucking Sacramento, it's seeing somebody in New York, seeing a Jamaican dude in New York walking past, you just walk past fleets of white people, you know what I'm saying? Like, and as soon as y'all see each other, y'all give each other that mutual acknowledgement, you know what I'm saying? Being black is... It's, 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 the, it's the toughest of all the skin textures because it has to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, being black is being a universal citizen. It's understanding that, like, being black has nothing to do with where you exist at because it's like, I, tell, I told Kel this, I said, you know, like, the, the Egyptians have this metaphor where it's like, 
when you die, you, your heart goes on a scale, you know, saying it weighs out the good, the amount of good and bad that you've done, you know. And um, I said, like, the black person's heart can't really go on a scale because every black person lives in predecided conditions. You know, saying no black person lives, no black person anywhere on earth is there existing how they exist by their own choice. Mm. You know? So therefore, like, every action that any black person makes could really be chalked up to what they had to have done because, like, like no black person, and I feel like you can't put a black person's, even an American black person, you can't put an American black person's heart on the scale because they didn't ask to be here. So even to start off from everything that they have done here wouldn't have happened if they weren't here. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and then, like, a black person in fucking Nigeria you could say you can't put their heart on a scale. How could you put his heart on a scale? His they just got citizenship seventy years ago. Seventy years ago, like my grandfather, my, when my grandfather was a kid, it wasn't even a country. You know what I'm saying? Like hard to put. You know what I'm saying? Like hard to put the heart on a scale when you could say that the people are, or you could say that the people are still finding out how to be a democratic society. Um, and even at that, they're still not even like. Um, their hands aren't completely untied to do as they wish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like that's being black is a complicated answer. Just as just because it's a hell yeah, it's a complicated question. Hell yeah, no, that was beautiful though. So, okay, MCing the difference between being a good rapper and being a great rapper. What is mm. that? Mm. like the difference between a good rapper and a great rapper is a good rapper makes songs for songs to be big and famous you know and a good rapper makes songs to talk about this one day or get this I don't know I feel like a great rapper is execution over and over again is what like you're like fed by is what you're what you're hungry for like um i feel like a great rapper is going in the studio a great rapper is going in the studio to make the best song that he can to that beat exactly what he's inspired to or even just to put together the best song from scratch i feel like a good rapper is going into the studio like Yo, I just heard that Kid Leroy song on the radio. Not to say, because Kid Leroy is so far crazy vocalist, but a, gr- a good rapper would be like, Yo, I just heard that Kid Leroy song on, on the radio, man. I'm trying to get in the studio and make something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he will like, successfully make something similar in the vein. You know what I'm saying? And it will do good. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes great rappers might not do good at first. You know Sometimes I feel like being great could be, you know, you could be a, yeah, but then also at the same time, there's. It's hard to say that somebody is, you know, saying it's hard to say that somebody is not great if they're doing great, you know, but. Yeah, it's such a complicated question. I would also say like. I would also say like a great rapper makes music to play his part. Like I feel like, people. When I was a kid, my brother used to tell me, "Soldier Boy is not gonna last. This song is never gonna last." You know what I'm saying? And I used to be like. And, and he'd be like, he'd be like, bro, there's like in a year people are gonna forget about this. People are gonna there's gonna be incredible raps that are gonna drop and all that stuff. I'm like, bro, 
he is obviously not trying to be your incredible rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like this, it's literally the beat has four instruments on it. You know what I'm saying? Like he made the beat with four instruments, just the dun, dun, dun. That's I'm like, that's the whole title of the beat. Like this, this is obviously supposed to be like a catchy, fun song. And like 10 years later, like, I don't even know how many years later, sort of what just did Rolling Loud last year and that shit was incredible. Like, as soon as that beat came on, people started running from everywhere. Like, just because it was like, he is a historic rapper. Like, he's a great artist because of the fact that he played his, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, because of the fact that he played his position. I also feel like great rappers range in so many, some, some people's ability offers them a longer, a wider window. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sure doesn't make them more great though you know like it doesn't make them like because you can't you're not we're not competing against each other we're competing against ourselves you know of, yes of course so i feel like a At great rapper best, yeah yeah i feel like a great rapper is identified by the execution of one's actual objective one's actual purpose i feel like kanye west though might have a longer a wider window and might be in some people's opinion, um, I mean, obviously not even some people's opinions, and might and is a more eclectic artist than Soldier Boy, but Soldier Boy is still a great artist in his own right. Can you freestyle? Yeah. Because when I have MCs come on this show, I try to ask them to just do a little bit. A little freestyle, doesn't even have to be long, but something that kind of represents and encapsulates this experience and this show for you. Mm. And usually if folks can like, you know, can really kind of get there to encapsulating it, kind of put it in with the introductory song Mm. for the show. So, Mm. So it's like a whole... It's a phantom bunch of different pieces from different people. I see what you're saying. Um, so, you know, and I mean, like, you know, I mean, somebody who's, you know, a professional MC, mm-hmm. you know, and, and making songs all the time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wonder if there's something in the, in the song machine that might be able to come out now in this moment that sort of, does, it could be short. I'm not like, I'm like... I don't know. I feel like I I like to freestyle, but I like to freestyle. I like to freestyle for for recreational fun. I feel like freestyling for me is like how I'll start a song. Like I'll be in the studio with all my friends, the beat will play, and we'll all just start. You know, even the ones who don't rap, just like just all just when when it's your turn, just say some shit. Like I'll just say something, and then just the energy will loosen you up, and then you found a bunch of different patterns in the flow patterns that you tried out when you were freestyling, and that just makes you. And it's hard for me to like. Freestyle and stay serious. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You can joke around if you want. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I really want to freestyle, but it's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I like to freestyle, but I'm not like. I don't know. I feel like freestyling. I feel like it's for a certain time. You gotta yeah. have the whole vibe. Yeah, you know, you and have I, the smoke, I have the friends, gotta have the beat, gotta have the whole thing. You know, I feel like, you know, it's like being an artist, I feel like people always try to get you to rap on command. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And you I'm know. like, you know, like I, I make some people. You know, what I mean, you gotta ask. You know yeah, what no, mean? I definitely, I definitely feel it. You know, I make music, and I, I definitely like freestyling. But I feel like rapping on command is kind of like, I don't know, like I like, I like it to like. I like to like, like if I was like, all right, we're going to the Tory show and today we're going freestyle. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's go. We're going to do it and knock it out. But I feel like popping up like randomly and just be like, oh, so shit, I should have told you before. Yeah. <laughs> you should have told me before. You know what I'm saying? So I could have so cheated or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I see you. I see you. I see you. Um, well, you know, if something should occur to you in the next, you know, month or something, and you want to send me a little bar or something? Not even a whole sixteen. It's good. Just a little thing. It's good. I'll send you. I'll send you a little. I'll just send a little, you a little something. Just a little thing. I'll send you a little. See, you something. know, you, and I don't even consider it cheating. Just like you're like, you know, I needed more time. Like I, res- I respect that. I respect it. I respect yeah. it. So, the last thing I ask everybody: What is your superpower? The thing that you do better than other people that has led to your success. Writing live performance, I feel like I, people, when I first started making music, I feel like people thought I was, like, trying to be, like, Joey Badass. I was trying to be, like, like at least, like, when I, like, my demo tape in high school, I feel like a lot of people were like, you know, you want to be a backpack rapper so bad. And, like, I was just trying to, like, get my, get my, I was trying to get my beak, my legs, <laughs> I was trying to get my legs wet. <laughs> I was trying to get my legs wet. Your legs wet or your beak wet? <laughs> uh, I was trying to get look. I was just trying I mean, to like it works either way. Yeah, I was just trying to find like my balance in the water with that. I feel like okay, but my superpower is just that like you know I feel like people don't necessarily know what to expect, and I, I like that. You know, I like the fact that like. I can write a rock song. I can write an R&B song. I can write. Uh, I can write m- like my type of rap song. I could write whatever type of. I can go in and come out with a folk song, and it's not gonna sound like I wrote it like a rap. Like I'm like the the writing style, the patterning of the uh, 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 the patterning of the lyrics and the cadences are totally going to be like in a total different family from each other. And that feel like, I feel like that's definitely like my greatest trait or my favorite trait of my own. Like, I like that I feel like I could challenge myself genre-wise, sonically, and come out with something that I really love. Like, I feel like not, like when I made this song, Not The Hills. Um, I like that record. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think, I feel like when I dropped it, the first thing is people were not expecting me to come with a rock song. Or with like anything like that, you know? And you think that's a rock song? I mean, like, I would call it like a rock song, but I wouldn't call it like a. I would call it like a. I wouldn't call it like a rock track. I'll call it like an alternative track. Yeah. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I feel like even when I came out with that song, I feel like that's not what people were. That was so far left from what people were expecting me to drop or what people were thinking that I was gonna drop. And I feel like. Just when I do stuff like that, I like impress myself, and I feel like that's what made. That's really what I'm in this thing for is to like push myself. 
sonically to just like try places and go places and try things and go places I didn't think that I could take myself or I never saw myself being in listening to other people's ideas being present and live performing like I feel like I love I love doing shows I love being able to convey emotion I love being able to, sometimes I'll be on stage and I really feel like crying just because like I like I just can't believe like we just got back from our first tour and when we did Denver I literally felt like crying just because I was like, damn, this shit is like over. Like, this is the first time me and my homies all got to see the country. We got to do all this shit. And the crowd was just like, I don't know. It was just like the perfect last show tour. And that shit, like, damn near brought tears to my eyes. Nice. Honestly. What's your full name? Anthony Chukubike Akanizirigwe. <laughs> <laughs> But you chopped off the end of your last name for your first name. Yeah. You know, you're the first person that really like, yeah, I did. I took the end of my last name, made it my first name. But it's also because Aka Nizirigwe is the first Aka. You know, he, he's a, he existed. He was a man. And he is like the guy, like the, the great, grand, great, great grandfather of my village, you know? So like. Akane was also who I was named after by my village. So, like, my second middle name is also my last name. You're, okay, okay. So okay. my full name would be Anthony Chukubike Akane Zirigwe, Akane Zirigwe. Thanks so much to Igwe for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down.